How well do you know a person? Can you spot a lie? Can you spot something that's untrue? Can I play a game? You're all playing. Except my wife, she can't play. It's about me. She'll get it right. Um, spot the lie. I'm going to say two things that are true, one's false. So I'm going to say them and I'll then go over them and ask you to raise your hand as to which one you think's false. First of all, the, the, the three are, I've been in a hot air balloon, I've been on a helicopter flight, I've been a bus driver. So you've got helicopter, balloon, bus driver, okay? So who thinks, uh, that I, who thinks it's false that I've been in a hot air balloon? Put your hand up. Okay, down. Who thinks it's false I've been in a helicopter flight? Put your hand up. Who thinks it's false I've been a bus driver? Okay, it's the helicopter flight. Um, yeah, not real keen on helicopters, but didn't need to take the opportunity sometimes and break that fear, I suppose. Uh, and the cost has been a factor too. <clears throat> but it's really how well you know the person, isn't it? And, and see, lies, subtle lies. I mean, if I, if I said to you, I'm a billionaire, you'd sort of say, hang on, he's having tickets on himself. That's not true. You know, look what car he drives. Um, you know, some things are obvious lies, and they're the ones that are easy to spot. But the little lies that are only little white, white lies, just a bit of a bend of the truth, they could be true, could be false. How do you discern what's true and what's false? And that's really important as people who follow Jesus Christ because we live in a society and a world that says lots about Christianity, lots about Jesus, lots about the Bible and the church, and lots of it's not true. Uh, people think they know about it and express views, and they often don't. So how do we discern what's right? What are we going to believe? And amongst all the authors and all the stuff that's out there being told to us to respond to, how are we going to discern what we believe and what we don't? We're going to look at that today. Because if someone was to come to us and say, stop following Jesus and go and follow Muhammad or Buddha or something, we know that's wrong and walk away from that. That's obvious. But if someone came to us and said, Oh, Jesus is a helper and a guide and we should, you know, we should have him helping us and guiding us and as we go through life he's there to guide us and help us. But they don't talk anything about Jesus saving us and us being obedient to Jesus as a master, not just a helper and a guide. Because a helper and a guide, do you have to obey a helper and a guide? No. You can rely on them and not rely on them. But we're not like that with Jesus, so that's not good enough. And just to believe that's actually taking us away from having Jesus as central and important. There's some little lies, or some lies that look little, but they actually start a big movement away. We need to be able to spot that. We're going to be able to do that at the end of the sermon. This passage is really good to help us. Look at uh, the end of chapter 3, sets the tone for uh, 1 John chapter 4. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. The one who keeps God's command lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. <clears throat> we have the Holy Spirit uh, sent from God the Father. God the Son lives inside of us. That spirit is the one that has convicted us to see who Jesus is as God made man, convicted us of our sins, caused us to respond. The spirit is in us and, and helps us. The spirit's like... <clears throat> a dark stage and there's a spotlight shining on the stage and that spotlight is on Jesus and everywhere we go in life the spirit wants us to see Jesus focus on Jesus look to Jesus and the test is going to show us how to do that that follows verse four chapter four verse one dear friends he's talking about them as friends as people who he really cares about and loves and and concerned for do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see where they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
He's saying, you know, test the spirits. There are spirits active in the world, spirits that want to take us away from God, and the Holy Spirit that wants to bring us to God and keep us in God. Spirits at work. And we're told to test the spirits. Be discerning. Um, some say that Christians talk about Jesus, but he's not the Christ. He's not God's king. He's not unique and eternal. Uh, we get groups like Jehovah's Witnesses will talk about Jesus, but they don't have to believe in Jesus anyway like we do. And uh, so we've just got to be careful of other groups like that too. Every Christian, he's saying, possesses the right of a private judgment and should apply the test because we've already done it already. How did you come to Christ? Didn't you have to make a judgment for yourself, a private judgment? Other people could have encouraged you, but you end up having to make your own judgment, your own private judgment about who Jesus is Son of God, about what he did dying on the cross, about your need of being forgiven and need to respond. It's all a private thing. Other people can encourage you and help you, but in the end, everyone has to make that decision for themselves. So we're encouraged not just to make that at the beginning, but keep making that private judgment as we go along to make sure we continue to follow Jesus and not be led away. So we're continuing to choose Jesus even when other alternatives are put, us, put up to us, we want to make sure we keep choosing Jesus Christ. And why the test? Well, this is, is false prophets gone out into the world. Uh, false prophets have been, in this case, there have been members of the church who have gone out believing the agnostic teaching that talks about having a special revelation, special inspiration, and they've gone and believed that and followed that. And there's an urgent need for discerning Christians, John's writing to, but that still applies today. It hasn't changed. And we're assailed by, by people saying, you know, you, got, you should, must belong to this group of people or, or that group of people. You must believe this. You must do that. It's all around us. We need to keep being discerning. And you see, the prophets that he's talking about are all, all mouthpieces of some spirit, whether it's a, a spirit that's uh, anti-God and anti-Christ uh, and a false spirit or whether it's the Holy Spirit speaking. And we don't want to be people who easily believe everything we heard just because they say they're Christian, just because they say they're a church or whatever. We don't want to just suddenly believe that. We need to actually um, be more discerning than that. We don't want to be guided away or misguided away from Jesus. We want to preserve a Bible-based faith. You see, the danger is people can talk about the Bible and quote all things from the Bible, but not actually refer you to the Bible, and therefore you don't know whether they're saying it correctly or taking it out of context or whether it's really in there what they say. It's really good to keep going back to the Bible, being a Bible-based or having a Bible-based faith. And that'll keep us on the right track. So we want to avoid believing everything we're told, uh, but on the other hand, we don't want to have such extreme suspicion that we believe nothing. We've got to somehow have a balance. We need to be discerning. And look at the test we're to apply in verse 2. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Uh, the idea of a confession of faith in Jesus Christ, an open and bold confession, the Spirit will always honour Jesus as the Christ, God's King. The Spirit came both to testify to Jesus and to glorify him. And so the Spirit always honours him. And the, the, even the Spirit was there at the conception of Jesus in Mary. The Spirit's been a part of Jesus all along. And that's important because the Gnostics at this point are saying about Jesus, 
that he was uh, born a man, uh, but then at his baptism, and he was a good man, but then his baptism, the Spirit came on him, and he changed at that point to be uh, the Christ, but then the Spirit left him before he died on the cross, so he died a normal man. They can't get their mind around God dying on the cross and Christ dying on the cross. They can't see that, even looking at the Old Testament, where it tells that, in uh, particular Isaiah 53. Um, so they've changed it to suit them. Uh, but the Bible says, no, he was, he was born, God made man. Yes, the Spirit came upon him for his ministry at the baptism, but he also died as God made man. That's what the Bible teaches very clearly. And that's the confession that needs to happen. No, the confession that Jesus Christ was God made man, fully God and fully man. And contrary to that Gnostic type idea, the eternal and the divine person in a, in a human person. Um, in Jesus Christ. Verse 3. So we're looking for that to be taught in whatever has been confessed. Verse 3. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Um, spirits that uh, don't acknowledge Jesus are actually then saying the Antichrist. This is a spirit of the Antichrist, which you've already heard is coming and seen is already in the world. The Antichrist sometimes is mistakenly thought to be a person or a particular country or a particular religion or a particular group. It's not. It's much more broad than that. Antichrist means false Christ. It means a group of people are trying to gain followers, take them away from Jesus, and they, people follow them. So it can be any one of anything. It could be not just religions. It can be other things, but it means followers. Rivals for Jesus Christ, the true Christ. And they're in the world. So there's, there's a spirit behind uh, things in the world wanting people to follow and pursue those and not follow Jesus. Verse 4, the good news. You, dear children, he called them friends before, now children, you, I care about you, you're important to me. You are from God and have overcome them. That is those false spirits, those, those spirits are in the world. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The idea of overcoming the world, um, overcoming in particularly chapter 2 was talking about overcoming the, the moral things about behaving in a right way and now it's talking about intellectually about how you think, what you know is true. The false teachers have not succeeded in deceiving you because you've tested them and found them to be false. Um, you haven't succumbed to their lies. You've seen that Jesus Christ is not properly and rightly represented by what they say. And the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The spirit of truth has given us the victory. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, will continue to have the victory. Verse 5, there's false prophets. They speak what the world wants to hear. And they'll be popular, more popular than Christians and the Holy Spirit. But look at verse 6. We are from God. We're the true apostles, the true ones coming from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. You see, God's people listen to the truth. There's a test of doctrine we looked at in verses 1 to 3 about what they're saying about Christ. Is Christ the focus? What they say about him? That's a test of doctrine. Now we're going to look at whether or not they're accepted by Christians or rejected by Christians. Because people who follow Jesus know whether a message is true or right. And the way people respond and how they live their lives, if they live their life in a right and loving way, as according to what we've been reading about in 1 John, they're responding to the spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus. And look at the end of that verse. 
This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood, by applying this test. The be discerning and apply a test. What is the message we're hearing? Where is Jesus in that message? Does it fully honour Jesus? Is he the central focus? Is it encouraging me and Jesus? Is it what, what's according to the Bible teaching about Jesus? Where is Jesus in the message? That's the first part. The second part of the test is, um, are the people living and following this message and how are they doing it? What character do they have? Are they loving people? Are they doing what is right? That's the second part of the test. So you look at the message and you look at the people responding and that discerns for you whether the message is true or not. That's important, isn't it? Because you and I, unless we withdraw from the world, unless we shut ourselves from everything, it won't work anyway because the devil can still speak to us. We're going to continue to face false teaching. We're going to continue to, to, to be challenged to water down what we believe, water down Jesus, don't have him as such an important part of our life and other things more important. But we want, to, we want to believe in Jesus more and more and more. Rather than Jesus diminishing, we want to see increasing value in us. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And so let's be people who do that. And let's apply this test. What's the message and what are they like? Like a look at Kairos, you know. Who knows about Kairos? You probably don't know because you don't, not everyone can just rock up and do Kairos. You need to be screened. You need to be a part of a special group. Not anyone can just go in prisons. It needs to be controlled. So, you know, you think, well, hang on, what's the message of Kairos? We heard it today. It's all about Jesus and people coming to faith in Jesus. Isn't that the right message? Yeah. And what about the people? Who are the people? Well, you look at Phil, you look at others, Trudy, you look at others who've done Kairos. What are the people like doing this? Are they godly people? Are they people with a heart to love people? That's why we need to look at things and not be sort of judging, oh, okay, I don't know about this, therefore it's wrong. Like some people judge Casillo, which is connected with Kairos. Oh, Casillo is a secret group, it's a sect and stuff. Um, that's pretty harsh and actually quite wrong. Um, but you look at what's the message of Casillo? Well, the message of Casillo is all about Jesus. Growing people in Jesus. Just ask someone who's done it. And what are the people like who've come through Casilla? Well, they've grown in godliness and they've grown in loving one another. So that's what it says here. And so we've got to apply that to all sorts of things, particularly to speakers or other places we go to or conferences or books or whatever. Keep applying that test and we won't go wrong. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you understand we live in a world that is uh, challenging us, a world where the forces opposed to you are trying to derail us. But Father, we thank you you've given us your spirit, your spirit that uh, revealed Christ to us, your spirit that convicted us, the spirit that opened our eyes to who he was and caused us to respond, that spirit that keeps growing in us and changing us and transforming us. And Father, we want to be people who uh, continue to to totally focus on Jesus. We can never have enough of him. He's so important. And Lord, we want to be people who don't just do that, but respond in a right way with right living and that we love one another. Help us to be that. And Lord, help us to be discerning of whatever we hear in teaching that it fits into that test too. That we want to be people, Lord, who grow in our maturity, who don't need to be um, uh, led around and, and shepherded and, and, uh, and looked after by people, but people who can stand in Christ and stand against the, the opposition that can be out there and always make the, the right decision when we follow Jesus. Help us to be like that. We pray in your name. 
Amen.